What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. I am very happy to have you, but you're going to need to wait because i got some stuff i got to talk about before I get to your phone calls. We need to talk about Michigan. I want to give you a little bit of a history lesson. In fact, I had to remind myself of it last night. In 1992, when George H.W. Bush was running for re-election after Read My Lips, No New Taxes, and then tax increases, he had won the, the Gulf War, became the most popular president in American history since George Washington. Tangent, we don't have a lot of real good opinion polling, obviously, uh, back before the invention of phone lines. But when you look at uh, the support for George Washington compared to presidents moving forward, George Washington really didn't have opposition. In 1991, after the Gulf War, and remember the United States has gone through the Vietnam era, um, we had a series of setbacks abroad, and then suddenly our military goes into uh, Kuwait, liberates that country, storms into Iraq, uh, and uh, George H.W. Bush's popularity in some polls was 89%, other polls 91%. Most popular president in American history that we can tell since George Washington. 90%. Think about 90% of Americans liking a politician. And it all came crashing down with an economy where Republicans were having to assure people the macroeconomic picture was really good. Even if you weren't feeling it in your pocketbook, you were really benefiting. Sound familiar? So George H.W. Bush runs for re-election, gets through Iowa, heads to New Hampshire, and Pat Buchanan stuns everyone. To this day, people think George H.W. Bush lost New Hampshire to Pat Buchanan. People think George H.W. Bush lost Pat Buchanan. In fact, last night when I pointed this out, I had several people say, but Bush lost New Hampshire. No, Bush did not lose New Hampshire. But he was held to under 60% of the vote. Pat Buchanan got 37% of the vote. And at the beginning of the night, Buchanan spent much of the night ahead of Bush. As um, is the blue-collar counties in New Hampshire were coming in first, and Buchanan was crushing Bush. Bush won. In fact, Bush didn't win a didn't lose a single state, but it was a big red flag that there was a problem. Buchanan had a well-funded campaign, uh, a very aggressive campaign. I'm dear friends with some people who worked for Pat Buchanan back then, and uh, Buchanan essentially was the precursor to Donald Trump. 
in much of his campaign style and much of his campaign campaign platform, it's it's Trumpism is Buchananism refined. And George H. W. Bush, it was a big red flag for him that he was held under sixty percent. The incumbent president of the United States, who the year before had ninety one percent a popularity ratings in the country. Now, last night in Michigan, Joe Biden got. of the vote. The problem is where the other 20% went to. About 5 to 6% went to Marion Williamson and Dean Phillips. But the bulk of it went to uncommitted. Uncommitted is not a candidate. Uncommitted does not have a war chest. Uncommitted does not campaign. Barack Obama saw 10% of Michigan Democrats go for uncommitted in 2012. Joe Biden exceeded that. It was a low turnout primary. And 20%, 19-plus percent of those who turned out rejected Joe Biden. And in some parts of the state, it was more. In Ann Arbor, uh, around the University of Michigan, Uncommitted got 70% alone. In Dearborn and Detroit, Wayne County, uncommitted got over 17%. That's the area where you had a, a, a large Arab voice voting. That's the area where you had uh, the Detroit automakers who are furious with the uh, EV problems with Biden. Listen, uh, the Democrats and the media today are kind of downplaying that angle of it. They're focusing on the the Palestinian Americans and the Arab outrage over Israeli policy, and that's why Biden saw such a large uncommitted. But here, this is from the New York Times, uh, updated, uh, appeared on February 19th, updated February 20th. Last fall, Tiffany Simmons, a second-generation auto worker, endured a six-week strike at the Ford factory just west of Detroit, where she builds Bronco SUVs. That yielded a pay raise of 25% over the next four years, easing the pain of reductions that she and other union members swallowed more than a decade ago. But as Ms. Simmons, 38, contemplates prospects for the American auto industry and the state that invented it, she worries about a new force, the shift tilted towards electric vehicles. She is dismayed that the transition has been championed by President Biden whose pro-labor credentials at the heart of his bid for re-election and who received, gained, recently gained the endorsement of the United Auto Workers. Biden has embraced electric vehicles as a means of generating high-paying jobs while cutting emissions, but auto workers fixate on the assumption that electric cars will require fewer hands to build, and they accuse Mr. Biden of jeopardizing their livelihoods. But wait, not just that. From Politico, uh, from February 20th, when President Biden signs the 20, signed the 2022 Chips and Science Act into law, aiming to boost America's once dominant microchip industry, he gave a special call out to Hemlock Semiconductor, a 63-year-old company in central Michigan. Biden held it up as an example of what he wanted the new law to support. Now the administration is getting ready to unleash the law's flood of tax breaks, but instead of supporting Hemlock, The Treasury Department and Internal Revenue Service have proposed rules that would cut the company out. But wait, there's more from the Washington Free Beacon from today, 
Last summer, President Biden announced an $850 million conditional loan to a company called Core Power to build a battery production plant in Arizona. The purpose was to decrease the United States' reliance on Chinese batteries, but Core Power has enlisted its co-owner, a Chinese battery maker, to help build the facility. So China is going to get $850 million. That's not going to Detroit. That's not going to Michigan. So in the Ann Arbor area, Joe Biden lost young voters. In the Dearborn, Michigan area, he lost Arab voters. In the Detroit area and surrounding communities, he lost the auto workers. He's got to win Michigan to be competitive, and they're starting to realize this. This is Van Jones on CNN last night talking about this. As it became inevitable, Joe Biden really does have a problem. Sure. I mean, uh, Michigan's going to be tougher uh, because you got a bunch of constituencies that we need that right now are grumpy, uh, to say the least. Uh, the big Muslim uh, community there uh, in, in Michigan, they are not happy with the way that Joe Biden has been handling the situation in Gaza. And right. you also have a lot of young people of color, especially African-Americans and some African-American men that are just frustrated in general uh, with the state of things. Um, and so you've got to you've got a very short period of time to get those two groups back on board. Don't forget, uh, Donald Trump has won in Michigan before. He won. He has won before. Jeff Zelani was with Wolf Blitzer on CNN before the polling closed and was already warning about the Democratic ballot and the uncommitted and, and looking ahead to what could happen in the general election. Um, in Ann Arbor. The question there is how strong is that uncommitted vote? Are people coming out in droves to send a message to the White House? It's a protest vote. Or are some voters simply not turning out today at all? Talking to Democratic officials all day long here, uh, they say that that uncommitted vote is one challenge for the president. But perhaps a bigger challenge is encouraging his voters uh, who supported him in 2020 to come out again in November. They yes. Come out again in November, will they? You know, there are a lot of people who are saying, you know, those Palestinians in Dearborn, they're not going to vote for Donald Trump. He'll be more pro-Israel than Joe Biden. But if they already think Joe Biden is that pro-Israel, they may just not show up in November. They might tur not turn out. Uh, Nina Turner, a left-wing activist, well, she had a, a moment on CNN as well. I thought it was very interesting to uh, listen to her meltdown on CNN. She's very unhappy with the direction of the Biden administration when it comes to Israel. And what's so notable is this talking point that has been embraced by the Democrats that, or by the left, that somehow or another there's genocide happening in uh, in in the Middle East. You know, what's his name who lit himself on fire? Eric Bushnell, who decided to become Flambe, uh, enchanting free Palestine, has the, this litany of, of grievances on Reddit before he lit himself on fire about the genocide of people in Gaza by Israel, something that's not happening. Listen to this exchange, though. It's very telling the problems Biden has. There, by the way, there's also been slaughter in, in Israel I was going to well. say. So, so, so there, there's, yeah, no, there's a lot of pain on both sides. But no, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. a lecture on the problem. No, but I, I'm talking about yeah. the, the politics of this tonight. How... What to you would be a victory, as somebody was calling yeah. for this uncommitted vote, what to you would be a victory tonight? On, to get that message across. I'm not denying that pain. All I'm saying that at a certain point after October the 7th, 
it becomes clear. I mean, you have a right-wing prime minister. Right. We don't need to debate the issue. But, but you understand what I'm saying? I'm not denying anybody's pain. What I am saying is that this president and our country has the power to say to Netanyahu, we need a permanent ceasefire. The only Within time hostages... Reason, though, if I can only, push back here, Wait, I one more point. The only time hostages were released is when we had that brief ceasefire. That is another reason I, why I mean, I, we I, need I a permanent but I, ceasefire. I also, I also have to remind people we had a ceasefire prior to October 7th, yeah. right? I mean, that, that's a point. And I, I, I get... Yeah, uh, so Nina Turner was Bernie Sanders' campaign uh, uh, manager in 2020 against Joe Biden, and the progressives are outraged that Biden is doing anything pro-Israel. Now, you know, Biden is going to be in a tough spot here. In Michigan, it has 15 electoral college votes. Georgia has 16 electoral college votes. Now, I went to law school to avoid math, but I do believe that's 31 electoral college votes. Add those into the, the default column that um, that Donald Trump could have, because I personally think the Lake and Riley murder in um, in Athens, Georgia. Sorry, th- thanks, Jim. I'm suddenly having a brain fart thinking about uh, Michigan. I-, I think that could take Georgia off the table. You, you take um, the default for the Electoral College is Democrats start with 226 Electoral College votes. Republicans start with 235 Electoral College votes. You add in Georgia's 16 and you add in Michigan's 15. That brings Donald Trump to 266 Electoral College votes. And that leaves on the table Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. That should make the Democrats very nervous about where this is heading. By the way, Donald Trump's already ahead of the polling in Michigan against Joe Biden. And then, of course, there's Robert Kennedy, who's starting to freak out the Democrats when it comes to whether or not um, he's going to stay on the ballot, whether or not he's going to give Joe Biden a run for his money. Democrats are really starting to get concerned because uh, Robert Kinney now says he's got the signatures to get on the ballot in Arizona and to get on the ballot in Georgia, and that could cause real re-election problems for Joe Biden in those swing states uh, as he's trying to move forward and plot a path to take on Trump. Here, again, here's, here's Van Jones talking about that. Basic math. Uh, this is a shockwave through uh, the Democratic Party uh, because uh, – it, 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 uh, it takes a lot less than the pr- amount of support he's got, especially among young people, to throw this whole thing uh, to Biden. And we can lose some states, but we can't lose many. Uh, and so uh, it's, we, we're, we're going to have a, a tough enough time uh, in Georgia. We're going to have a tough enough time in Arizona anyway. Uh, but this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. It is a very big deal for the Democrats to have to contend with an unpopular president who 20% of people in Michigan basically decided they would rather nobody than Joe Biden, and that's in the Democratic primary in a state where Donald Trump is already hit in the polling for the first time ever, by the way. And now you've got Robert Kennedy in Arizona and Georgia. Democrats, good luck with that. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. All right, uh, Mary's been waiting very patiently. Welcome to the show. Sorry to keep you waiting so long. Good afternoon, Eric. Hi there. Uh, I did, 
I did not stay up last night, which I usually do, to see what is going to happen in Michigan. And this morning I saw that Donald Trump won handily. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm confused, and maybe you understand maybe some of the background on what is Haley's endgame. I have nothing against her. If, if she was going to be the nominee, I'd be happy to vote for her. But it seems like the American public seems to want Donald Trump. Why is what is her end game? Why does she say? I I gotta tell you, I I I, I don't really know. I can speculate. Um, my speculation is that by acquiring delegates, which she is doing, um, though she can't put her name into contention, uh, she's got to win. So you can't become you can't be nominated under the Republican rules unless you've won at least five states, which she's not going to do. But by winning yeah. delegates her supporters can be a part of the convention and shape the the platform and have considerable pull on the positions that the party takes. It, it can be a disruptive – her delegates can be a disruptive force at the convention unless they cut a deal in some capacity with her. Uh, and so maybe it's it's leverage that – I mean, that that's – honestly, that's, that's my best thought here is leverage is possibly the thing that she wants uh, to be able to, for example, in 2020, the GOP did not have a platform. Uh, Flat out didn't have a platform in 2020. Um, She could force them to actually have a platform uh, and and use that leverage. That's my thinking. Or if something happens to Trump, she's the only one with delegates, so she could have some leverage there too. Ah, That's speculation on my part. I haven't talked to her about it. Now, I got to tell you, okay, uh, so Old Glory Bank is my bank. Uh, I've got a checking account with them. I've got a savings account with them. Um, and one of the things I like, for example, is they've got this uh, American Banking Bill of Rights. You can see it at oldglorybank.com. And essentially, they want you to know that you're not going to have your bank account canceled because of your politics, where you go to church, or who you do business with. They're not going to, with financial privacy, they're not going to um, hand over your documents to the government without a warrant. They're, they're not going to participate in the government snooping programs that some banks do. And they're not going to prohibit you from buying stuff that that uh, you want to buy with your bank account. As some banks do if you want to buy a gun, for example. Some banks won't let you. I like them because they're a real bank with great online bill pay, great services, no fees on checking your savings, great interest rates on their savings. Go to oldglorybank.com. You can get an account within eight minutes. Old Glory Bank. Member FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing lender. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, You'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. 
Hello there and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let me spend some time with callers right here. Luke has been waiting. Welcome to the show, Luke. How are you? Thanks for being patient. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I'm enjoying this windy day, waiting for the rain. Yeah, okay, uh, pause. Just, just I, I got to tell you, my wife wanted to be on her Harley today because uh, she is, oh, the weather is finally today. warm enough. And she said she got out and the wind was so strong. Uh, she had to turn around and go back home and get her car. That's right. That's, you know, 40 degree drop from uh, high today to low tomorrow, but that's good yep. for you. Um, I really appreciate you taking my call uh, with this Mitch McConnell news. I really was curious. It's, it's kind of interesting because I did hear an interview uh, last night that had Newt Gingrich talking about when he ran for president and how hard it was to eventually have to drop out, just that give up mentality. So if Mitch McConnell has been in his position doing his thing for so long. I could only imagine that it would be hard to give up versus, you know, dying. But he was talking about, you know, the sunset on the horizon. So I appreciate his candor. Now, my question is, one, on one side of things, is that a good example for people to do at a certain time and be able to give up grace, humility, and find new successors? And two, is that maybe potentially going to be a spin factor that some of uh, Biden's handlers might try to <laughs> do with him as well to get him out of, you know, the running of, you know, his it, side of things? They should. Um, look, uh, yes, uh, it, it is. It's becoming an issue that, you know, members of the press speaking on background to other members of the press are beginning to admit they've known all along there was an issue and they just haven't wanted to deal with it. But after the special prosecutor's report, they really can't avoid the issue anymore. This is a problem for the Democrats, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. Uh, it is one that shows up in the polling nonstop, and it's going to continue to show up in the polling. And they're, they're going to have to deal with it. If is Mitch McConnell can realize that it's time to step down, and he's uh, Joe Biden's age, maybe a year or two, year older than Joe Biden, it's probably time for Joe Biden to step down. That's really awesome. And, you know, with everything else, with the uh, Texas people not showing up for their quorum, uh, with um, even voters coming out to primaries, it, it's kind of going back to the everybody just needs to go back to work and show up and do their jobs. Yes. Uh, doing everything by proxy really doesn't accomplish anything new. Yeah, you're you're right. You know, as a matter of fact, Luke, I, I got to say there was a story I meant to get to yesterday and I didn't. Um, so there's a guy. Oh my gosh, I you know occasionally I I, I do feel bad for for some people. Um, th this story just it, it it struck me hilariously yesterday. I I I can't remember the guy's name and and I don't want to I don't want to even use his name if I did because he was dragged so bad on social media yesterday. So there are PR firms out there that you can hire to get yourself attention, and they will try to get you on television. They'll try to get you on radio shows. I get asked to do interviews all the time. I've been telling everybody, nope, my audience doesn't want me to do interviews. And they can get your op-ed placed in newspapers. So there's some guy who's written a book on hybrid work formats, work from home hybrids, and he consults companies on working from home and the IRS has told of its employees they've all got to come back to work now. They, they can't work from home anymore. And this guy in the Hill literally yesterday ran an op-ed on how this is going to destroy the IRS by making IRS agents have to go to work 
Uh, this is so terrible for the poor IRS agents. Left, right, and center, people were dragging this guy on social media yesterday for what an, what an idiotic op-ed the guy wrote about the Internal Revenue Service poor agents having to go work in the office to audit us instead of being able to do it at home. Uh, it, it was actually very funny to see the reactions. Like, rarely do I see someone who clearly used a PR person to help get him an op-ed uh, have that op-ed opportunity blow up in his face, and that guy managed to do it. <laughs> All right, uh, 877-973-7425. Maggie, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Eric? Good. I have a um, I'm hoping that you, you're doing your uh, Good Friday show because I always look forward to it. I will be. All right, and I do have my tickets for the gathering. Thank you very much. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I look forward to seeing you. Okay, uh, my question is, should Trump... Uh, become the nominee. Um, I'm concerned about his choice for vice president. I because that person could potentially take over the next eight years after Trump leaves. And I do not believe it should be somebody from the Senate or from the House because uh, the narrow, the margins there are so narrow. And we do have um, strong Republican governors that kind of guide the states through their legislators, through their legislatures. So who would be a good choice for? Oh, okay. So there are a number of names um, that are being floated. And one of them is Christy Nome, the governor of uh, one of the South Dakota. Um, She had been in a moderate mm-hmm. Republican in the House of Representatives was the governor is the governor of South Dakota. She, not my favorite because, for example, uh, Christy Nome during COVID wanted to shut the whole state down, and the legislature in in South Dakota actually blocked her from being able to shut everything down, and she attacked the legislature for it. And then when it turned out that the public didn't want to be shut down, she suddenly said, "Look at us! Look at us! We didn't shut anything down in South Dakota." <laughs> I just I don't like political opportunities like that. That and their allegations of like impropriety in her personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Tim Scott is mentioned, uh, although I mean he fails your criteria because he's a creature of the Senate uh, and had been in the House, uh, not not a governor. That that's so that would be problematic um, in your regard. Although um, he he would uh, being a, a black American from the South uh, from South Carolina against Kamala Harris in a debate would be very interesting. One name that's been floated I hadn't even thought of, but I saw it in the paper yesterday, is Ben Carson, uh, who had been uh, what the the famous brain surgeon who be- ran right, for the president. Hug, the HUD secretary. Yes, um, yeah. housing and urban development. Uh, he would be an mm-hmm. intriguing pick. Smart, smart man, uh, a genuinely nice guy, too. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, there's Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, uh, wheelchair-bound, but uh, his name is floated given the immigration issue. He would probably be a, a, a great person pick, but I do believe that Donald Trump probably wants to have a diverse pick, uh, either uh, black or 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 a woman, uh, someone who's non-white or someone who's female uh, to to put against Kamala Harris. So I don't know uh, your wild card option, Nikki Haley. Don't think that'll happen. There's too much ill will there now, um, right. but. Those are the names that are being floated about uh, for vice president for Trump. There are some wild card names out there. Like at least Stefanik has been doing everything possible to become the vice presidential nominee. Uh, Elise Stefanik, um, I, she's too hungry for the position, I think. Uh, and I don't think would be um, great for the 
job. She's the most liberal, one of the most liberal Republicans in the House, even though she talks like she's a conservative. Her voting record is extremely, extremely um, progressive. Y'all, um, I just got this uh, from a friend of mine who will go nameless. This is okay. People, people are, are, are having a real moment here in the media. Do y'all remember the Chick-fil-A story I read the other day to you? Uh, Adam Rubenstein, who had been to the New York Times, talked about when he mentioned in an introductory meeting uh, that he liked uh, the Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich, that all the little progressive hipsters started snapping at him. It's what they do. It's been a trend now for about four years uh, when progressives want to signal that they don't like something. They start snapping loudly and trying to drown you out with the snaps. And that's what he did. He he just he was asked the question, "What's your favorite sandwich?" He said, "The spicy chicken sandwich at Chick Fil A." And they did it. And a number of reporters came out and said, "This isn't true. How could the Atlantic do something like this and and not confirm anecdotes?" And the Atlantic has now come out and said, "Actually, uh, we've confirmed it with people who were witnesses or got contemporaneous confirmations from Adam Rubenstein at the time." And a number of reporters have come forward and said, "Yeah, Adam told me this the week that it happened." They're like, guys, it's still not true. Now, what's so funny about this is that it confirms Adam Rubenstein's central premise in his article that at the New York Times and a lot of publications, claims by those perceived as being on the right, whether or not they are, are the left demands they be held to a higher standard. The left more and more confirms how out of touch it is. Now I gotta I gotta uh, relate that the progressives and the news to this. Here is a story in the Atlanta Journal Constitution today. Not fair. After UGA killing, Venezuelans in Georgia worry about backlash. Klinsman Torres is a migrant from Venezuela, currently living and working in Metro Atlanta. He unlawfully crossed the border in August of 2022, just weeks before Jose Antonio Ibarra did the same. On February 23rd, Ibarra after, uh, became a nationally known figure after being charged with kidnapping and murdering a nursing student. Lake and Riley's death is believed to be the first homicide on the University of Georgia's campus in nearly 30 years. Torres says that the Athens killing and the bright spotlight it has placed on border policy have loomed large in recent conversations with fellow Georgia-based Venezuelans. They're worried that inflammatory rhetoric around immigrants and immigration could reverse the gains they've made as low-income workers in the local economy. All right, first of all, this guy uh, appears to be an illegal alien. They identify him as a migrant who unlawfully crossed the border. So to the extent that they're concerned, maybe he should be concerned with the conversations around illegal immigration. I, y'all, I don't know if you know this. I, I don't know if the writer at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution knows this. But it's kind of hard to tell a... Colombian from a Venezuelan from a Nicaraguan from I mean it's how do you tell that someone's from a particular country it's really hard to tell someone from Germany from France from 
United Kingdom, from Sweden, from Norway, from Finland. How, how, how do you know? How do you look at someone and say, oh, that person's a Venezuelan? Really, this is this is what we're going to do here? Hey, let, let's talk about the plight of the poor illegal immigrants from Venezuela because one of their own killed someone. You know, they all broke the law coming into this country. Uh, I, I'm actually shocked. I'm actually shocked to see the Atlanta Journal-Constitution talk about how Klinsman Torres uh, unlawfully crossed. So you mean he's a lawbreaker out of the gate and we're supposed to all... Oh, People may people may be a little bit concerned that he's an illegal alien. They should be. He broke the law to get here by crossing the border, and and somehow he's the victim. We're going to do this victim victim story on the illegal immigrants because an illegal immigrant killed an American college student. The impulse of progressives in the media to make you demand that you empathize with the class of people from which the murderer came. I, I, I don't know how to look at someone and tell you their country. I, I can approximate in some cases, but really, this is this is this is where this was a deliberate editorial decision. Some editor somewhere at the Atlanta Journal Constitution decided we need a story on those poor illegal aliens from Venezuela who they're upset. Because uh, they may all be be dragged into this because an illegal alien from Venezuela murdered someone. That that was the angle. They ch- that's a conscious editorial decision from the left. It's like the mayor of Athens, Georgia, today at his press conference wanted to remind people that the reason they did this this resolution welcoming the Latinx community to Athens was because of Donald Trump in Charlottesville, Virginia, and the increasing antagonism of Donald Trump's rhetoric. Literally tried to throw Donald Trump under the bus. This is what the left wants to do, because they cannot acknowledge that their policies led to this death. They want to deflect. They want to blame others. They say, don't politicize this particular thing, but it is their policies through the political process that caused this death. Lakin Riley would be alive today had the Democrats bothered to secure the border, had Joe Biden bothered to secure the border. That's just a fact. They may not like it. They clearly don't, but it's a fact. It's also a fact that if you go to stamps.com today, click on the microphone and put in my name, you can start saving big on shipping costs. Uh, you can make it so easy to ship. You don't even have to go stand in line at a, at a store anymore to ship. You can get eight, up to 89% off UPS and post office rates. You can print your labels for your computer or your mobile device. You've got a printer. Put it on your package, and away it goes. In fact, if you go to stamps.com, click the microphone, and put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you're going to get some free postage. You'll get a free digital scale. You'll get a limited time offer. There's no contract aside. There is no long-term commitment with stamps.com. You can cancel at any time. I've used them on and off for 20 years. I haven't had my account the whole time. When my law practice wound down and I was still doing a lot of lot of uh, mail-in and shipping and packages and stuff, as I was winding down, I used stamps.com, I mean, like five years into the company, 20 years ago. They've been around for 25 years. And then I I canceled. And then as my radio career started and I started sending stuff to program directors around the country, I, I got it again. I've been using them for a long time. They save you money. They make it really convenient. You can arrange pickup at your home or office so you don't have to go stand in line at the post office or the UPS store. All you got to do is go to stamps.com, click the microphone, put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You get a free scale, some free postage. You can even order supplies from stamps.com and, and get them delivered to you so you don't even have to go shop for the 
postage and, and printing and label supplies. Stamps.com, click the mic, put in my name, Eric, start shipping and saving today. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877-973-7425. You know, I I, I want to go back to and, and not be accused of, of dismissing it altogether, but you know, it, Trump won big in Michigan last night. Uh, at the same time, though, he was held again below 70%. And I, I just, I, 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 this needs to be said. Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. Nikki Haley is not going to stop Donald Trump from being the Republican nominee. It is notable, however, that in a place like Michigan, he could be held under 70% by Nikki Haley and in other states underperform his polling. And honestly, the way I interpret that is uh, his campaign team and his chief vocal surrogates, it's probably time for them to stop dragging Ron DeSantis, which some of them are still doing, and focus on unifying the party. I think there are a lot of Republicans who would be willing to come on board very quickly with Donald Trump now uh, if he and those around him were less hostile and perhaps uh, more willing to be a unifying force for the GOP as opposed to uh, get on board or or get out. Um, don't do like Carrie Lake did in Arizona, where she mocked McCain supporters and told them she didn't want them and didn't need them, and then she lost. It's time to really start trying to build a unity ticket for the GOP and get everybody on the same page and get some of those 20, 30, 40% of voters to come back and be a part of a winning ticket.